Hello and welcome to We Blame Our Shelves, a podcast where two librarians discuss movies, games, books, and anything you can find on your shelves. I'm your host, Dan Major, and my favorite ice cream is chocolate and peanut butter. And I'm joined today by... Uh, James Pugh. I am a librarian in training. I don't have my master's degree yet. Um, I'm a librarian in training, and I have a hard time pronouncing the word necronomic... Necronomicon? Necronomicon. Okay. Like the weird old book. Yeah, which we found out uh, in researching for today that it is not actually a real book. I, I thought it was. It became like so... It, permeate, it, it permeated <laughs> so much of pop culture. I was like, yeah. oh, I thought this was a real book. But no, no, it was just H.P. Lovecraft wrote a, mentions it a couple of times in his short stories. And now everybody and it's, knows. It's in Evil Dead. It's <sighs> in... I love. Have you seen Evil Dead the musical? <gasps> really good. There's a musical. Oh my god! They they like hose people down with blood at the front um, couple rows, and they sell like white t-shirts at the venue so that you can wear a white t-shirt when they're spraying blood all over the audience. Hilarious. I, good music. Good story. Like one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Um. So yeah, the Necronomicon. This came up because. Today we're going to be discussing kind of weird old books, and this is inspired by The Madman's Library by Edward Brooke, which is a book that came out within the past six months or so, I think. Oh, okay. Um, I knew it was recent. I just didn't know it was that recent. Yes, because <laughs> Because I it was on the new bookshelf, and you gave it to me to, for research for this podcast. I did. And, um, and I, I walked back into my office after lending you the book. And every single last page had been torn out. It's a, it's like a really nice color hardcover book with lots of text, lots of pictures. We were all excited about it, and I find it on my desk completely torn, like not a single page left in the binding. See, what had happened was, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so we were doing, uh, we were getting ready for our fandom fest. And I had a take and make project where um, we ripped out pages from comic books and uh, we put them in bags and we we gave the kids boxes and you would like decoupage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently that book was in the pile (laughs) and and uh, the volunteer that was ripping up the pages just didn't notice and went right on through. (laughs) I mean, if you hand it to them and it's in the pile. I wonder if uh, does the volunteer know that they <laughs> that that happened, or you I, haven't told them? I haven't told them. I don't have the heart. It's like you're 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 doing a nice thing. <laughs> Anonymous volunteer, <laughs> if you're listening, um, my bad. Don't yeah, it's it's James's fault. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a fascinating book. It's it's yeah. It's it's back. We we ordered another copy. <laughs> it's yeah, back in I, the shelves. We we have it here while we're recording because there's a lot of like just crazy pictures in it um, and illustrations from a lot of these weird old books. Um, and it's it, the full title is The Madman's Library, The Strangest Books, Manuscripts, and Other Literary Curiosities from History. Oh. Um, and, yeah, the title I was very... Is, is chef's kiss. Just, in library school, I did take a, uh, like, a history of book and publishing class that mm-hmm. I was really interested in, um, which is kind of why this caught my eye is because I, I I don't particularly like history. Like, I don't like learning about people or events, but, like, just weird stuff is is really interesting to me. So hmm. I'm, ever, I'm happy to discuss this. Have book. you ever heard of um, Nabokov's favorite 
word is mauve? Uh, no. It's a book about books, and it's it's books by the numbers. So they will take like this word was you know this author used this word the most, and oh, weird. This is the <laughs> longest book ever written, and this is the shortest book ever. It's a fascinating book. I can't remember the author. I didn't write it down. It's great. <laughs> I would highly recommend it if you like weird, mm-hmm. trivial things about. Yeah, and yeah. and this author has several other books. Um, like there's an atlas of places that don't actually exist. Um, like fantasy? Uh, no, like real. Well, they're not real places, but people, you know, people, explorers, people like that who said, you know, El Dorado or Atlantis or something, you oh. know. They would mark it on a map, and just because it was like the 1500s, nobody knew any better, so it was on every map for 200 years, but it's not a place that is real. And so it was just about a lot of like things that people snuck in to maps on purpose or to like claim more land or to like claim that they discovered something. Um, and all of his books are like these weird historical trivia kind of crazy events. Um and I'm I'm definitely gonna read Ed, another one of his books after this. Edward Brooke. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, so uh, starting with kind of we're almost going in chronological order of the book of things that we found interesting and weird in this book. Um, but can, something can we, can we preface real quick? Like, yes. Like we are only gonna scratch the surface. Yeah. If you have a chance to check out this book, please do because it is fantastic. Like we are we are just literally mentioning like a dozen things out of like hundreds Mm -hmm. please check out this book (laughs) it's fantastic so one of the i mean there's there's a lot of themes that go throughout this book um a lot of the books that are kind of uncommon and everything what they have in common is um a lot of them are religious texts a lot of them are like um supernatural things or even um like lists of animals that explorers have created and the illustrations are not even remotely accurate. And um, <laughs> like I've, I've always, like I've always <laughs> not, I mean, they're good drawings, but like no animal actually looks like that. <laughs> and like in some of the podcasts I listen to and everything about history, um, Victorians are notable for just being really loose with facts and history and everything. And a, a lot of these books are from kind of the Victorian era as well. Um, and speaking of the Victorian era, era, one of the first cool things I found in there is uh, arsenic books. <laughs> so um, green dye in Victorian England specifically um, was produced with an arsenic compound. Um, they used this green dye in book covers. They used it in wallpaper. They used it in clothing, in manufacturing. Like It was like a trendy, trendy color in Victorian England. Oh, but it contained like really problematic <laughs> levels of arsenic um, in these book bindings, in these book covers. And so they had some like illustrations of what the bookbinder's hands looked like or what people looked like after like using these arsenic books. And they're just like covered in sores and like it, their skin just disintegrates. And it's like a really, it looks like zombie hands. Um, uh, uh, kind of like what they did with the hatting. Like the, the the phrase "mad as a hatter." Oh yeah, came, came that from that was from because, Mercury. Yeah, yeah, Mercury that they used in in the hatting and making the hat the process. Haberdashery. And, okay, haberdashery. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I'm sorry. Um, see, this is why I'm a librarian in training, <laughs> Dan. Um, 
Yeah. So it, I wonder if it's the same thing. Like everybody who worked on books, I wonder if yeah. they just went mad or if they just their their arms just arms fell, fell off. off. And well, and it, it was like deadly in a lot of cases. Well, and yeah. we'll we'll talk a little bit more later about like the wallpaper that and stuff, so which is has Michigan connections too, Michigan which was exciting. Yes. So, um, but yeah, these these poison books. <laughs> Uh, there's a quite a big section on it. Um, so many, like ones you don't even you wouldn't even think about. Like it goes beyond. I think we, we kind of will briefly talk about this later, but uh, it goes beyond just like the the materials used for the book. It's mm-hmm. also like, hey, here's this book that may or may not contain a little vial of po- poison. <laughs> yeah, like the little hidden books, the books that aren't books. But one of my favorites going through this, if we're gonna, I can't even say bring this up without laughing. Um, I'm going to spell it because okay. I, it's Japanese, and I don't want to pronounce it. I don't want to mispronounce it, but it's H-E-G-A-S-S-E-N. Okay. I want to say it's Hegason, but I'm going to Midwest it and just say Hegason. <laughs> Which is an appropriate title because, it literally, because of the nature of this book. It literally translates to fart competition. <laughs> It's fart competitions in Japanese. We're, I'm not making this up. You Google it. Um, but it's scrolls that literally depict flatulence battles. Mm-hmm. Like like people farting on other people, farting on cats, farting on horses, horseback. Like they're they're on they're riding a horse and that is their weapon. They're not shooting an I, arrow, they're shooting a fart. It's, I I think I like I looked up the full scroll on Wikipedia yeah. after we yeah, yeah, talked yeah. about this. Um, and I think I think a guy actually kills a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that one. I just saw the like the ridiculous like some guys have shields and that's protecting them. Yeah. But the funniest was the guys with fans. I was like, of course. You're gonna <laughs> just use a fan. Why not? Um but uh the funniest thing about this whole manuscript, this whole scroll, is how the farts are illustrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Like th- things you don't think you're gonna say out loud when you wake up in the morning, <laughs> right? Uh, it's not a cloud. These are like cones, like beams. It is. It's, they're like a direct. Yeah, I, it looks forceful. <laughs> it looks like a ray gun. It's here. So oh my gosh, it's the weirdest. How, thing how ever. would you draw it if you had to read a cloud, like a like a mist, like. A, <laughs> Right, like you're like, oh yeah, and then there's some guy just waving his hand by his nose because it smells bad. Yeah, like, the the illustrations uh, are are comedy gold here. But and you know, lowbrow humor never ages. And and I was gonna say that's that's funny you bring that up because I did do some research on it and on the Wikipedia page I did see um, according to this book, the history of Japan from the Stone Age to superpower by Kenneth G. Henschel. He said that the drawings were more than likely used to ridicule Westerners towards the end of the Edo period, and the images were depicting the Westerners blown away by Japanese farts. <laughs> so that's, if uh, that doesn't say get out of her, yeah, then that's, I don't know what does. That's subversive. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> also, why isn't this an anime? Yeah, this, oh, that could oh. be repurposed for, for pop culture could, time and time again. <laughs> If you get the chance, look it up. Uh-huh. Uh, w- look at the full scroll. There's only a section of it in in, in the, the book. book. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's <laughs> it's exactly what you expect it to be. 
lowbrow humor at its finest. Ah, <laughs> uh, fantastic. Um, the next, uh, the next piece that I really liked in here was a biographical jacket. This was heartbreaking. Yeah, and there's there's disagreement about what the jacket actually was, um, but this was from 1893 uh, from the Heidelberg Psych Hospital, um, and a patient named Agnes Richter uh, had embroidered the jacket she had in the hospital, and this was, you know, a psychiatric hospital in 1893 is basically a prison um and she had embroidered biographical sentences onto her jacket until it was like completely covered and it had weird little phrases like um i am not big i wish to read and i plunge headlong into disaster um and they there's the disagreement is about was this like a a coat to keep her warm or was this like a straight jacket type coat right um and there's pictures of it and you can't really tell like i can imagine that being a straight jacket and i can imagine that being just a, a coat too right um but it, it is like covered i think it was i mean heidelberg's german right this was in germany i think oh, i don't remember um but um it was not in english so no. you know we couldn't no. read the rest of it we just had the ones that were quoted uh but it was it was just a heartbreaking illustration because it's it, or not it, it was an actual picture of it but it's it's you can see the embroidery on there mm-hmm. it's like this person painstakingly put their biography under this yeah. coat because that's like the only way they could get it out well there. yeah like how bored do you have to be to embroider or your okay own. if you're saying things like i plunge into headlong into <laughs> yeah. disaster you're probably you're, this is a cry for help but back in the 1800s 1890s yeah you're right this was basically a prison <laughs> these people yeah. aren't listening to her like eh, crazy old agnes is at it again well and i guess back at the time like embroidery is a hobby right like sure yeah okay you know what i have embroidered stuff before for the <laughs> makerspace at work so totally i'm different. not i'm not totally knocking different. it you're not gonna yeah i'm you're not gonna do this i'm not you? trapped in a cell <laughs> embroidering my own clothing because i have no other choice <laughs> i am not big <laughs> Anyway, I do I, wish to read. <laughs> These are just, and I sort uh, of feel like I'm plunging into headlong disaster, <laughs> but that's just like something that's developed since you know 2020, 2021. That's years. how everybody has better, felt lately. <laughs> the better part of two years, uh, self-preservation at its finest. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, speaking of preservation, I found the uh, Xylotech or the wooden libraries. I thought mm-hmm. those were really fascinating. So essentially. What they do is they take books that are literally made from the trees uh, that they're about. So it would be if it was a it was a book about an oak tree, the pages would be out of oak wood. They would have oak hmm. um, leaves on there. Uh, they would have seeds in there, um, and it would just be all of these kinds of specimens about this tree all over in the book. And um, I found this really interesting. A lot of countries have at least one xylotech with native flora and um, uh, for for forestry, botany, conservation, forensics, all this fun stuff. So I just think that's a really cool way to, to keep your, your trees and, and your, your local plant life. <laughs> Did it sound like there were... Is there like content on the pages or is it like this is a birch tree and this is a 
book about birch trees made from birch? I think, or that's, is it I like, think that's basically what it was. Like, it, there hmm. wasn't any content. It was just like you open it up and, oh, look, there's this. This is what this, this is what type of wood looks, looks like. like. This or, is what the seed, okay. yeah, this is the leaf that will come from this kind of tree. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I looked it up, and I couldn't find anything in Michigan. Um, but that's not to say that we don't have one. I'm sure there's someone out there that has all these trees, a xylotech of, of uh trees native to michigan yeah i wonder how you do that with something like archaeology like the more three-dimensional the object becomes i'm sure like these are probably thick books yeah um Um, if you look at the illustration in the book they're they they are they look to be like bricks (laughs) they don't look like books they look like bricks hmm. and in um uh it just showed them open and yeah it's just this is the type of wood this is the leaf this is um, it made me think of the seed depository in Scandinavia. Yes. Um, I, I, Spalbars or Spalbar, something? Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, now I wonder if that's where they got the idea. They're like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one uh, that stuck out to me was there's an entire section on hollow books. Like the poison. Uh, yeah, like the poison. <laughs> uh, one of the, the hollow books was poison. We have a hollow book at the library that I just discovered what? a couple weeks ago. I knew about it. What? But I forgot about it for like the last three years. And then I was like reorganizing a shelf. I'm like, why is this book so light? And I opened it up, opened it up and it's um there's a geocache inside. Oh. And I'm like, oh, I like in the back of my mind I knew it was there, but I've never like stumbled across it like that before. Are you gonna um, tell us where it is or do we have to go find it? No, you have to find there's like a whole puzzle that goes with it. It's not oh. just like find the geocache. There's, like, the first stop on the geocache gives you a clue. There's, like, three clues that lead you to this hollowed-out book yes. that has, like, the log and the prizes and gotcha, stuff in gotcha. it. Gotcha, so. gotcha. And, and, and um, the DDA, they were telling me about this. And I can't remember. It's not geocaching anymore. They gave it a really cool name. Oh, really? And I can't remember what it is now. It's, like, scavenger hunting, but not scavenger. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really okay. cool. Um, we thought about doing it... Uh, and I'm like, we could totally do this at the library. Turns out we already are. <laughs> yeah, we already are. <laughs> and it was um, not long after that, I we had somebody come in from like, I don't know, he said he was from like Maine or something. And he's like, oh, is there a geocache here? Yeah. And we're like, uh, yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> now that is known to us. But it was interesting that huh. he, he was on like a geocache vacation. Is it, those still exist? Apparently. Huh. Like he was just traveling through and stopped at our location. Is it but in the nonfiction section or the fiction? I'm, I'm section? not gonna even give you a hint. Not even a hint. No, you can download the app and find it yourself. I'm, There's a clue in the youth area, though. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> um, keep, but go, the, keep going. I'm gonna download this app and look this up. Yeah, the, so the hollow books. Um, there were a couple really cool ones. One was from like the mid 1600s, um, and it was a book pistol, um, and it's basically a book hollowed out that has like a single shot pistol gun in it. Um, It said it would not fire unless the book was closed and it was made to be like held, you know, those like leather straps that you used to, I mean, not us, we never use those, (laughs) but like (laughs) it's like a belt and you tie your books together with it. And it's like very like Anne of Green Gables going to school kind of thing. So you, you like, carry this book at your side in one of those straps, and there was, like, a little hidden button or something where you could fire this pistol from your side, and it, it only 
functioned while the book was closed. And I thought like pistols are a, a newer yeah. form, like the fact that this existed in the 1600s. I don't know when pistols were invented. That seems very early to me though, and that's like really innovative. I was gonna say what kind of James Bond. I, exactly. <laughs> Stuff is this. I oh, when I went to um, the American Library Association conference a couple years ago, it was in Washington D.C., and uh, a vendor had this party at the International Spy Museum, <gasps> and there were all kinds of things like this at the museum. Um, some of them were really crazy, but it's a really really cool museum if you're Did, ever in D.C. I I didn't read this part. Did the book mention why? There were book pistols. I have no idea what it was used for, like or like, yeah, or I'm, I'm sure it was like an. That has to be an espionage thing. Like, you're not just gonna have one of those to have back back during this time. Well, I don't period, know the mean but. streets of of London in 1600. <laughs> Could come in handy for. Could anyone. come in handy. Um, the other, <laughs> the next one was another poison book. Another poison. Um, and this one was actually it wasn't the covers that were poisoned. But the inside was like a little tiny apothecary cabinet. Um, and it had all these little drawers in it that held vials and powdered poisons and liquid poisons. Um, I love I, this one because it's like, how much can you just hate one person to be like, hold on. One, and you run over <laughs> to your library and you start like grabbing stuff. And you. <laughs> how frequently do you have to use poison? To be like, oh, I'm going to need to hide this in a book or something. Like, was are you it, poisoning was, that many people? Was it po- portable? <laughs> um, I mean, it was it was a big book, but it was still, you know, fit fit in a bag to carry with you. Very, very conspicuous. Um, it's like, hold on, let me get <laughs> so, set my book down. Another, here's another uh, lowbrow book. Um, it was called A History of the Low Countries. <laughs> but... It was not actually a history of the Low Countries. It was a portable toilet. <laughs> what? And you could open up the book and like fold it out <laughs> to where it had like a little hole in the top, and you could sit on it. And it was they, they said it was used by traveling booksellers as like a discreet portable toilet. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like it. Looks <laughs> there's a problem with that though after. After the fact, right? Like, right. Well, <laughs> does it? Do you just, just, just further do you just close up the book and go on your way, or you have to dig a hole for? Uh, yeah, like I'm not sure exactly how it functioned. Um, and it's like an illustration of the book. It wasn't an actual. Wait, was it an illustration? I've got it right here. So I'm well. Gonna okay, check. while you're looking it up, I have yeah. I have a question because first of all, if it's portable, I think I just solved my um, hiking problem. Um, but the the next question. <laughs> gonna have is like uh how tall was this book um it does not give the dimensions but bummer it is they do have the actual original picture in the book here um and it looks like it it's just like a seat with a hole in it (laughs) so i think it's just going down onto the ground um it's just a way to prevent yourself from falling over (laughs) it looks like um, but books are not that large, so this has to be the original Squatty Potty. And <laughs> the fact that it's called like the history of the Low Countries, like that's a good good no, title okay, for if it. If this was used by traveling book salesmen, <laughs> how many customers were like, "Can I look at that book?" And they were like, "No, no. you you cannot. You no, absolutely no. cannot. You don't want to." <laughs> oh my god! Uh, sticking with the poison theme, though, shadows. From the wall, walls of death. Yes, 
by Robert Clark Kedzie. <laughs> this is going back to the arsenic. So this was 100 copies of arsenic-laced wallpaper samples from Victorian era, like we mentioned earlier. It was Victorians. <laughs> and it was sent, this is where the Michigan tie comes in, it was sent to Michigan libraries to showcase the dangers of arsenic-laced wallpaper. What better way to show the, showcase the danger of it than here? Look at it, yeah. touch it, feel it. It's it's not like illustrations <laughs> of the wallpaper patterns. They literally yeah. shipped a it book was, full of arsenic. It was samples. to like a hundred Michigan libraries. <laughs> it was samples. You can. Uh, this was this was one of my favorite ones because it's uh, the Michigan tie mostly. But uh, according to Michiganology.org, these the books were in quote unquote circulation like they were available up until 1996. 1996, <laughs> and it wasn't until uh, the state archivist Dave Johnson said, you know what, these should be in a vault under protective coverings because we should yeah. not be touching and dealing yeah. with these. Like, could you imagine ordering that through Mel or something? Like, they do just ship that arsenic book straight to... It is available on Amazon. I'm not joking. Okay. It is available on Amazon, but it's a copy. It's not the actual, like, well, that, it's just yeah. copies of, right? That makes sense. So uh, when I saw this, I was like, no way. I click on it. Sure enough, there are one-star Amazon reviews <laughs> to, to this book. And they're all like, it's fake. Don't get it. This yeah. isn't the real book. I wanted to get arsenic poisoning, <laughs> I and I didn't. One-star. Right? <laughs> all it is is just photocopies of the samples. Don't get this book. It's like, well, what did you want? Yeah. Arsenic poisoning? <laughs> People are brutal on Amazon sometimes, but uh, oh I think God. that's. <laughs> I just think it's funny that like they didn't like. What did you expect? Yeah, they're not. You're not gonna get arsenic Amazon's lace. not gonna send you arsenic wallpaper. <laughs> right, you're not gonna get a, an, an um, archaic book from the 1800s. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's a hundred copies of it yeah, that are over a hundred years old. Like you're, you're not, not getting, getting a original. How much was it? Oh, it was like it was a uh, like fifteen, sixteen bucks. It wasn't that. Yeah, like yeah. for fifteen dollars, you're not gonna buy <laughs> not gonna this this big old historical book. <laughs> uh, and uh, I just I just love how it wasn't like a real book. It was a sample, right? Like mm -hmm. like like a swatch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you get swatches of wallpaper that are laced with arsenic, and this is a book. Here you go. And it um the book the the Badman's Library also talks about books that are not made out of books right oh these were weird like the cheese this, slices yeah and these are <laughs> michigan too like yeah. michigan just has a lot of weird books these um, were at u of m right the u of m library so it's a book that is literally 24 slices of american cheese <laughs> that's it gross <laughs> and then there's another one that's like 20 sweeteners like each page is a sweetener packet so it's it's just like each. the the little paper packets bound together yeah they're huh. just bound in a book it's the weird. This guy is his name is uh, Ben Denzer, and he's actually an artist. He's not an author, but these books are actually pretty cool. <laughs> like, um, he has one where instead of it being individual slices of cheese, they're slices of meat. You get different lunch meats. Now these aren't for sale. These are all artistic. <laughs> How is but it? Is I, it real? Be, is it be real one, lunch one meat? Like sure. I can I can see slices of American American cheese like not getting moldy because American cheese is barely <laughs> an edible food, but like meat. 
how do you how does one preserve meat for I have that long? No idea. <laughs> I kind of want to like go to this art exhibit just to find out. Um, ketchup packets was was another one that he bound together. Um, a toilet paper roll, but each page was just one sheet of toilet paper. So it was like two hundred plus pages of just I, each sheet. If I were to make a book out of toilet paper, I would make it a scroll, right? And it would be a lot less work, right? Just why would you want to even go through the process of turning it into a book? That's got to be a nightmare for like the librarian or the archivist there to like <laughs> make sure a toilet paper book doesn't just fall apart as oh soon as God. it gets touched. Like, oh, I hope it doesn't flood. Yeah. If the, library, <laughs> the library floods, that book's gone. But don't worry because the, he also made a book with an inflatable book jacket. An inflatable so, book jacket. So it can so float. float. So I don't know if it's a, it's a flotation device. Like, I hmm. I would not recommend, like, sitting on it to save yourself from <laughs> drowning. But if you're sitting in the pool and you just want to be reading a book. I guess. Why not, right? Um, but this guy, if you want to go to his website, um, ben, ben Denzer, D-E-N-Z-E-R.com, he has some fascinating books. Uh, there's one that's literally just 6,000 dandelions from the Mount Auburn Cemetery. That's it. Just little little dandelions mm-hmm. um like specimens um and this was the most fascinating one he had 12,000 skin cells from individuals with and without bipolar and with and without schizophrenia okay and according to the data machine learning algorithms show statistics yeah, statistically that's another word i have hard time <laughs> pronouncing Statistically significant differences between the skin cells of people with and without the disorders. Oh, that's interesting. Right? And this guy, this guy's like just, not just an artist, <laughs> but like he's he's not a researcher. So the fact that right. he uncovered a biological difference based on like he's mental like a, health is, is really he's like a He's like an engineer, obviously, because he's mm-hmm. putting things that should not be books into books. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But um, he's... Uh, He's an engineer slash artist, and so, um, but I just found these non-book books super fascinating because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, why, I wouldn't have never thought to to put twenty-four cheese slices. I wonder, in, and flip through them, and <laughs> I wonder if they're like on. They've got you know they're part of the University of Michigan collection. I would like to go see them because we're not that far from Ann Arbor. I think we should um, library field trip. Library field trip. So the next one that I I'm kind of obsessed with this one because this like the last uh the last thing we'll talk about is is what d- <laughs> does it for me. Um <laughs> but basically um there are several books that are written by um well they're not written by psychics. Um they are channeled through psychics who have used Ouija boards and automatic writings. Uh, to channel the spirits of some deceased authors. Uh, so, so who gets the credit? <laughs> so it is the uh, there's one called uh, "For Jesus' Sake," <laughs> written by William Shakespeare <laughs> in the 1900s. Uh, there's also an autobiography of Jesus Christ, wait, wait. which was written. In like the 1980s, what? there's a book by Oscar Wilde, um, and according to the uh, the cataloging guide for both American and British libraries, uh, books that have been written by ghosts 
have to be cataloged under the name of the ghost that wrote them, not the <laughs> medium who channeled the ghost. So, like, this is a work of William Shakespeare, attributed oh to William Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> For Jesus' sake. <laughs> I love, like, an autobiography. There's too many good ones here. Yeah. And, and yeah. how angry would you be if you were the, the medium or the person who this was, <laughs> and then you're like, I wrote this book that, that Jesus told me to write, and turns out, nope. Yeah. It's, he gets the credit. He's getting all the credit for it, and... You're maybe, you're just a psychic. Maybe they're not in it for the credit. <laughs> maybe they're in it for the notoriety. I would, See, I I am would a love. Medium. I would love to be able to witness that in progress. Like, oh my god, I've I've never I've never attended a séance, um, but a séance where somebody is writing a book makes it kind of even more interesting. I I like stuff like that. Like, occult stuff is really interesting, and I obviously like books. What so it... combine those two things and... So at the end, does he have to say, like, dictated, not read? Like, I, I want to hunt down... Say, right? Like... I want to hunt down at least one of these books and oh, just see... Okay, no, let's let's go a little step beyond. If you are a medium, mm-hmm. and you listen to this podcast, and you want to show us the process of writing a book oh, man. through a ghost, please... Yeah. Contact us. We we do uh let's see. Wait, what's our what's our email? It's podcast at orionlibrary.org. O-R-I-O-N library.org. Uh yeah, I would love to have like a, a Mark Twain writing workshop I, on the podcast. I would love that. Can we please contact please somebody contact us? We could finish Sue Sue Grafton passed away before <gasps> she got to that Z book. We totally and could. We can channel Sue Grafton and finish out her series that was going for like forty years. Uh, yeah, it's a good series. <laughs> the ABC Mysteries or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. what I call them. They're, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what they're really called, but like A is for alibi and yeah, they're great. <laughs> All right, let's do this. All right, uh, so I'm going to jump now to a section that we're going to call Rapid Fire Book Titles. I love this one. Um, okay, okay. So we wrote down uh, a couple of the names that just kind of clicked with us that we thought were very funny. So we're going to go back and forth and uh, read off some crazy book titles. So, but real quick, the, the, the part in the book at the end, towards the end of it, is literally just over at least a hundred book titles that are just ridiculous. And so these are, again, are just skimming the surface. (laughs) These are hilarious. All right. Psychic self-defense, practical instructions for the detection of psychic attacks and defense against them. 1930 by Dion fortune, which is a great (laughs) name for psychic. Uh, Okay. This is a French title. I'm going to butcher it again, but it's a cloga de calvis or in praise of bald men, circa uh, nine ten, and it's by the French monk Huckbald. I wonder why he wrote about bald men. <laughs> Old age, its causes and prevention, nineteen twelve by Sanford Bennett. <laughs> that just sounds like a guy trying to sell tonic. <laughs> um, on the conciliation of spirits, or how to get acquainted with ghosts. Written in 1716 by H.A. Madkey and G.E. Hamburger. Ghosts, Minnesota's Other Natural Resource. <laughs> <laughs> two, two, 
Let me finish. 2007 by Brian Leffler. I'm sorry. Minnesota in particular. No, I don't know what they got okay, going on. But ghosts are supernatural. So how can they be a natural resource? <laughs> sorry, like I love that one. Superfoods, <laughs> supernatural resources. Just, I'm sorry, I love that one. Okay. <clears throat> Sunbeams may be extracted from cucumbers, but the process is tedious. Written in 1799 by David Daggett. I there's like no frame of reference for what that book could even be. About. I want to I want to be on what he was on. <laughs> How do you get sunbeams from a cucumber? That's not tedious. And this book, I just finished this book on like Sunday. The grass is always greener over the septic <laughs> tank. 1976 by Irma Bombeck, who I think is very funny. So you did read it. I did read it. It is a real book. It is these a real, are all book. real books. Yeah, yeah, these are all I, real books. I knew that, but, but that's, like I, I didn't know we had that one. My my mom owned that book when I was a kid, and I always thought the cover was funny. Huh. And so when we started talking about this, that name jumped into mind, and I'm like, I should finally read that. <laughs> finally, ducks and how <laughs> to make them pay. Eighteen ninety by William Cook. What did this duck do to you, William? <laughs> what? Do you want the duck to pay? There were also multiple books like this, like ducks, how to make them pay. There was like another animal. And I think that's like how to make them profitable. But the terminology at the time was a little different. Or, you know, people in 1890 just were revenge hungry. They had had vendettas against animals. (laughs) (laughs) Farm animals, specifically. (laughs) All right. Well, that is... How do you make a duck? I just... I'm stuck on this one. How do you make a duck pay? Like... That that sounds like the beginning of a joke that we don't have a punchline for. Like a bad dad joke? Oh, it does. Hey, James, how do you make a duck pay? With? Get your answer next time. With bills. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> just, it just came to me. I'll be here. Comedy over. gold. <laughs> we need to cut it off with that. We can't top that. We can't top All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Uh, <laughs> join us next time as we discuss uh, the subtleties of physical media. Ooh, this That'll one's be, great. Yeah, it's like extras on DVDs and uh, stuff. The liner notes from CDs. Yeah. The, uh, we've lost uh, out by going digital. We'll be talking about a lot of the stuff we lost. Um, so we'd like to thank Orion Neighborhood Television, ONTV, for providing us with the recording studios or we blame our shelves. You can also find episodes on our website at orionlibrary.org. If you have questions, comments, or would like to suggest a topic or a guest, email at us at podcast.orionlibrary.org. And you can check out everything from your shelf at your local library. Please support them in any way you can. I am Dan Major. And I'm James Pugh. And we will see you next time. We're going to get those ducks. 